Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Pickup. We are back here to talk about week 14 of NBA action. For our segment today, guys, we're going to be breaking down the players of the week from week 14, highlighting Nikola Jokic and Trey Young, two great all-stars who had fantastic weeks. Jokic averages triple-double. We'll get into that. And then next, we're going to be talking about a little bit of all-star stuff. So first off, they are going to be changing the format for the Rising Stars game. Exciting stuff. I think some good changes coming here for Ben and I to discuss and break down for you guys. And then finally, Bleach Report put out an article. We know sometimes how controversial Bleach Report articles can be, especially trade scenarios. So Ben and I are going to break down panic trades for NBA fringe playoff hopefuls and see which ones are trash and which ones actually make somewhat sense. Uh, we're excited. It'll be a fun little segment for you guys. Um, and let's just kick it off, and let's dive in this first segment. Nikola Jokic and Trey Young, Players of the Week, respectively, for their conference. And we had Jokic leading Nuggets to a 2-1 and one week, averaging an insane 36.3 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, and 10 assists. Trey, meanwhile, no slouch in his own right, 31.3 points per game, 9 assists, and 4 rebounds, leading the Hawks to a 4-0 and week in an impressive win. What do you make about these, like, just initial takeaways from these two guys, Ben? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how you can talk about Jokic. I think I want to say the last time we filmed for you guys here, I want to say we referenced Mr. Embiid's 50-point uh, night. And I want to say later that night, Jokic, part of this week where he got nominated, was that 49-point triple-double effort in that um, Aaron Gordon game-winner shot where he threw that cross-court pass. So I think that's obviously the highlight for Jokic. Um, I also want to say I, I think Jokic is on pace to set an NBA record as far as player efficiency rating for for a season with the numbers that he's putting up um, this year. At least if, I, I believe he's on pace for that. But, I mean, this is the, probably one of the most slept-on MVPs we've, we've ever had in the NBA, and especially reigning MVP. So – for him to come out with this week, it should not surprise anyone. These are numbers that are just Jokic-like, and he's leading the league in triple doubles, especially with you know Westbrook kind of going to LA. He's not getting getting the same numbers with the ball in his in LeBron's hand a lot as well there. So to see kind of Jokic take center stage as far as showing that like all around game, and he's. He's honestly just like one of a kind. I think that's – you can't really say anything else, and this guy is going to finish probably top five in MVP uh, voting again this year, um, especially with the Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray injuries kind of extending throughout this season. Yeah, he's then, really keeping them afloat. Yeah, and then Trey, it's I think the biggest thing for them was that win against Miami. Miami currently sits like top of the Eastern Conference standings now as far as getting Bam back, so that's that was obviously a really impressive win. They're slowly starting to creep back into form. Um, I think they might finally have found a rotation that works there. DeAndre Hunter has played excellent basketball. So um, they're still a little beat up too, actually, with uh, Bogdanovich and Gallinari out. So they're not even healthy and have have had some impressive wins. Exactly. And so this is obviously obviously Trey had talked about, you know at the beginning of this season, finding motivation in the regular season after their playoff success. That was kind of the first big postseason taste for Trey Young and that Hawks team. And they're so young. 
where now they have to kind of realize like, Hey, we, we need to play this kind of basketball if we want to get a chance to go back to where we were. So there's still obviously a lot of basketball to be played. I do kind of see the Hawks eventually maybe sneaking back in and grabbing that wizard spot. Who's still kind of hanging on to that 10 spot. I do think the Hawks are a better team. And this, this week was kind of just a showing of that, of what they could be. And, and that team that we kind of saw make a run last year and, and trades obviously leading the charge there. Yeah. I think you summed up like beautifully for both those guys, Ben, just playing fantastic basketball in terms of Aurora context for you guys, right? We're filming this on the night of the 25th. So Tuesday and Atlanta is currently sitting at 12 in the conference, only a game and a half behind Washington, though, like Ben was referencing for that 10 spot to where they would be a play-in team. So definitely not all hope is lost in Atlanta yet. And if they keep up playing some good basketball, they can definitely at least be competitive for a play-in spot. We'll see kind of how high they'd be able to climb. Granted, the East is relatively all pretty close, so you never know. Um, but yeah. I love the I love to play both these guys. I'm not going to dive too much more into it because truthfully, they're just they're fantastic players, both of them, and they put up fantastic weeks. And it was good to get them recognized. and And both teams are going through their respective struggles, yet these stars are still able to shine, which I think just speaks to the the volume of these players that we're looking at. So, let's go into this next part, though, Ben the the Rising Stars game, which I think. For both you and I, I know we've touched on this. The previous format wasn't always the best in our opinion. I think getting the global representation has been fantastic because the NBA is, in fact, a global game. I mean, our reigning finals MVP and arguably best player in the league is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Had a tremendous year. However, it's just sometimes with the Rising Stars format, it felt like some of the better, younger players who might have deserved a spot were left out due to it being U.S. versus global. So, I do actually really like what they've released here with the format. And that goes back also to when it was like rookies and sophomores. Because mm-hmm. sometimes those draft classes don't hold up the same. And so when you're it's it's not just the global USA setup, it, it was it's gone back to kind of the rookie sophomore setup as well. So I, I definitely think a, a change is is good for this a kind of experiment and and Dan will kind of break down what this new format looks like for you guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's just, I think capturing obviously the global game that the NBA is, is an awesome, awesome goal, but we do obviously want the best players regardless of, of where they fall. Right. Um, and the ones that perform the best to be representing that game. Cause it's, it's an honor for those young players, right? It's, it's most of them because we don't see a lot of rookies or sophomores in an all-star game. It's pretty rare. So that is like a huge deal for those players. So let me break down the new format for you guys. So it's going to be four seven-player teams that will compete essentially in a mini tournament consisting of three games. So each game will be played to a final target score, essentially like what the All-Star game was last year. Um, It's going to be a pool of 28 players. So 12 NBA rookies. 12 NBA sophomores and four top young players from the NBA G league ignite. So really cool kind of feature there to get some of these G league guys, some extra representation and exposure for their games as well, because obviously that's a league that has been able to push in some guys like Jalen green, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. And um, we're seeing that route be more popular for younger players. So this is, I think actually like a really great idea too it's not college and stuff is not the only route for these guys to explore and the G League does a good job developing players we've seen a lot of success stories there 
So the NBA players will be selected by NBA assistant coaches. Ignite players will be selected by NBA G League head coaches. So I think that's also great. We're keeping it within who manages all these players, right, who have seen these players. I think that's awesome. And then the teams and coaches, and this is cool for the um, 75th anniversary, obviously, will be coached by members of the NBA 75th anniversary team and then also assistant coaches from the NBA All-Star Game coaching staff. So I think that's just like a neat thing for this year for the 75th anniversary. Really cool. Um, and then coaches will select their team's rosters in the Rising Stars draft. So each team will have at least one Ignite player as well. So we're going to balance out those Ignite guys for the G League. And then also it's not just going to be rookies versus sophomores. Or again, like Ben was saying, U.S. versus global. It's going to be like a nice mix of talent regardless of where it's at. And we're going to get to see these teams go head to head. So the it will be a bracket. So, for instance, Team A would play Team B and then Team C versus Team D in the semifinal games. And then the two winning teams would meet in the final game. I actually really like the potential that this format has to offer. But, Ben, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I just think it was kind of time for a change. We saw the NBA make a change as far as wanting the competition for the actual All-Star game to kind of increase, which is why they implemented that new scoring system and like kind of reset as far as the quarters go. And so I think, you know, with, with this, it's kind of the same thing. We, we had like a lot of fun moments. Like there was that Trey Luca moment where, you mm -hmm. know, Luca hits that half quarter and, and, you know, obviously seeing Zion in that moment in that game before he, he went into the all-star game last year, you have obviously these amazing dunks with him and job, but I just think, you know, if this increases the the competition factor of it, instead of it just being kind of like a pickup, I think that would be great. And I think bringing the G League guys in is amazing because those are guys that are going to want to show out as well because mm -hmm. their games aren't televised in the same way where like an NCAA is or like the NBA rookies that are in sophomores that are already in the league. Um, and, there, and then for the guys that are kind of fighting for playing time, it's going to be a, obviously still a chance for them to showcase. So I'm excited to kind of see what it looks like. Obviously, this is the first year of this format. I'm sure there's going to be areas of like, OK, maybe this could work better. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what notes the NBA takes from this and kind of mm -hmm. how it plays out and maybe what holds to future seasons. You know, I, I one point I do want to. I think just highlight some more, which I really do like is that um, it's going to be four teams, right? But it's going to be seven guys on each team. So the playing time is also going to be there for each guy. So um, I think that's kind of something we see too. Obviously these all-stars and rising stars, they try to get everyone like equal and ample time, um, no matter if you're a starter or coming off the bench. But I think that is actually pretty neat because now we're going to get to see essentially like all of these guys get time on the court together. Um, and time to play and show their games. And like Ben said, I think with that target score, hopefully if it's not competitive all the way, you know, like still kind of all-star, like flashy and, you know, they're having fun. But if they kind of like bring it in, like like last few all-star games we've seen with that target score, I think that's like a great, great change just right there to increase competition and intrigue. But I do really like the potential for this format. And like Ben said, like we'll see what happens in terms of maybe modifying it or tweaking it based off kind of reviews from maybe like audience and fans and, and players and coaches themselves. Uh, I'm excited about this though. I think it's a, 
a great way to maybe increase the increase the attraction of this game because there is so much young talent in the league to where this could be really, really fun to watch. Awesome. Anything else you want to throw out about Rise of Stars format, Ben, before we jump to our final segment? Oh, you know, I'm just excited to see what those rosters, might, what that player pool might look like and maybe to dive into that more uh, when we get closer and closer because I think as we get an idea of what those teams might look like, it might be fun to kind of look into potential predictions for that. Oh, format. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and Ben and I will definitely be bringing forth all-star content for you guys once we get kind of closer, uh, maybe once players are announced, things like that. Um, I'm excited. Obviously, it's in Cleveland. Can't wait. <laughs> and hopefully we get some representation there. Um, but, yeah, let's jump to our next segment, Ben. So, again, like as we touched on just when we started the pod, I'm excited about this because Bleacher Report, one of the things um, that Ben and I think visit pretty frequently in both, um, both of our spare times, it's a fun, like you can join your communities and just a good place to see content. Some of it can be controversial, though, as always. Um, I think one thing that Bleach Report has a representation for is sometimes posting controversial trades. However, they make for great discussion topics. And Ben and I are going to be breaking down one of their recent articles um, that actually came out today for you guys. So they, the headline for this article, if you guys do want to, if you do want to check it out, is going to be panic trades for NBA's fringe playoff hopefuls. Now, um, I'll actually, what I'll do is I can actually share my screen as well. And we can take a look at all of these trades for you guys just live on the Zoom. And for our listeners, we'll make sure to obviously read them out for you guys if you're just tuning in via the audio. But it'll be fun for you guys to be able to see this as well. Check out Bleach Report if you guys do want to check out their articles um, or this one specifically. So Ben, let me go ahead and share the screen. Yeah, they definitely give good talking points. And that's why Dan and I kind of thought this one might be fun to dive in for you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So we got um, our panic trades for NBA fringe playoff hopefuls, Ben. And we got featured a couple guys that we're definitely going to talk about here. Oh, man, fringe playoff hopefuls. I wonder who's going to be in this. <laughs> Let's talk about this first one. Hornets upgrade at center. And then the Canes get help on the wing. And obviously the standings there for, or the parentheses there are the standings for the, where those teams respectively um, are at in their conferences. So right now the Hornets are at seven and then the Canes in the West are at 12. So in this hypothetical deal, the Charlotte Hornets will receive Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley, where the Canes will receive Kelly Oubre Jr., P.J. Washington, and center Bryn Carey Jr. Right off the get-go, Ben, I think this is a great deal for Charlotte. Um, I, I love it for Charlotte. Yeah. I think taking a swing on Bagley, who's obviously been in like such a weird situation for a top pick um, in Sacramento, and obviously has a fair share of injuries. I think you can take a swing on that talent, put them in a situation where you have some great playmakers, obviously one special talent in LaMelo Ball and a guy like Bridges who's having a great year. You're just adding to that boost of talent that you have. And Rashawn Holmes is incredibly effective as a center and is very, very underappreciated in Sacramento. So I think he'd be a great fit for a center rotation in Charlotte. Um, for this deal for the Canes, it 
maybe it's just capitalizing on Holmes's value. You're still taking a, a pretty intriguing young player in PJ Washington, Bernie Carey Jr. Untapped potential there. He hasn't shown much because he's very young in his career. Um, and then Uber, you kind of know what he is as a player, like athletic, wind type, can shoot average from the outside. Um, and Uber's had a scoring. really great season for Charlotte. So I think that obviously would be their their biggest loss of this deal. Mm-hmm. But I think what they could potentially get back there um, could kind of fill that. Yeah. But overall, I, I don't think this is a bad trade for either team. Um, I actually do kind of like it for both sides. It does similarly like make sense. I like it more for Charlotte, but I'm not sure how much more you could get if you're Sacramento for a trading guy like Holmes. Like, I think this is a good return for his value. Yeah. And obviously Dan and I have highlighted Rashawn Holmes in this podcast before when we kind of dove into our like underappreciated performances, this guy can be very productive. He just plays for a team that obviously does not get a lot of NBA spotlight right now. Mm-hmm. And the Kings just took, um, you know, they have not kind of grown over these past couple of years where I think they should be investing in, in more younger talent. And so to potentially get a, a PJ Washington who, who has shown flashes in Charlotte now, he's just kind of fallen back into the rotation, I think could be kind of nice. And maybe they're able to, to get a second round pick or some kind of future protected pick in there. But yeah, I think this is um, really great. I do, I did just get an update that I wanted to go into really quick. Um, go for it. A live update. Um, the Clippers completed a 35 point comeback win tonight, as Dan and I have just kind of started filming this for you with Luke Kennard winning it with a wild four point play in the last second. Wow. And that was versus Washington on the road. So, if you're a Clippers fan, you are probably going crazy right now. If you're an NBA fan, you have just got to be kind of um, stunned by that update, as you can probably see by <laughs> anyone who will watch this later, see by Dan and I's faces here. But 35-point comeback win for the Clippers in D.C. Anyway. That is, um, no, that's a – live updates on pod. We love it. We love it here. And that's a crazy, crazy comeback by the Clippers. I'm sure Ben's just as hyped because the Wizards continue to lose games. Let me actually let's pull this over. Let's watch the let's watch the highlight on the pod, Ben. Let's let's see this four guys. point play here. Show you guys. All right, we got eight seconds left. Clippers down three. No way. Oh, Luke. <laughs> Oh, you guys, you guys got to watch that. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. That was, he threw that off one leg. For you guys only listening, like, please watch for our videos, our our video watchers on the um, Spotify app, right? Who get to see this within our pod. That's a, that's a great shot by Luke (laughs) off the dribble with one second left. And he's just, yeah, wow. Fading. Fading, getting touched a little bit. I think that's what he's got called. It's like maybe a little body contact on the shot. I'm really I've, – I've, the Wizards were probably trying to foul, so they didn't even have this chance. And then it just – obviously, yeah. worst-case scenario happened here. 
Yeah. And then cool, calm, and collected. Luke Kennard just hits a dagger at the free throw line to win it. That's a fantastic ending by the Clippers. But that is why we love the NBA. Those games are never over. Never. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, great update for those of you who are, again, watching the the video pod. That is awesome. Um, Let's jump forward, Ben. Let's keep going with our trades here. Um, For your Celtics, we got their Celtics at number eight spot and the Hawks at number 12, swapping defense for shooting. So Boston would receive John Collins and Atlanta would receive Marcus Smart and Josh Richardson. Just my initial thoughts at the get-go. Um, I love the trade for Boston. Like you're just picking up a guy who's, um, who's fringe star status, like fringe all-star status in Collins. So obviously you're going to boost offensively and the Celtics rely heavily on Tatum and Brown for their offense. So I like it that way. Atlanta obviously needs some more defensive help, but I feel like they're losing it in terms of pure talent. However, if they're interested or I would like what they're seeing out of like Bogdanovich and Gallinari when they're healthy. And then obviously Hunter, maybe you're more comfortable moving forward with those guys at your three, four spots, right. And bringing in a guy like who's a proven defender and contributor in Marcus smart. Um, I do think the only thing that concerns me is Collins really, he does want a role. I think he's been pretty vocal about that and, and he wanted the money to be paid like a star talent. So how would he fit? with Tayman Brown being a third spot, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, his skill set fits. Like, off, Boston's offense is, is very bad. Um, you know, if Tatum or Brown or both of them have an off night, they're, they're usually not having a lot of chances in, in many games. So, obviously, that, that skill set would help quite a bit. And, and their three-point shooting specifically, where if you guys are, are seeing the shared screen right now, Boston's 22nd overall in the league as far as their three-point shooting goes, shooting 34% on the season. And Atlanta's defense is what's made them kind of a almost like sub-500 team on and not being able to kind of reach back there. So it definitely makes sense as far as what these teams need to improve. If I'm Boston, I would probably do it purely because John Collins is definitely a more attractive trade piece, not even mm-hmm. if you were to hold on to him. But I, I think for Atlanta, like to pair Marcus Smart in the backcourt with Trey Young and a guy that can guard all five positions. I mean, I've watched enough Marcus Smart to see him guard big men in the post and come up with huge steals. But if your lineup could theoretically be Trey, Bogdanovich, Smart, Hunter, and Capella, that's still a very interesting group and gives you a lot more balance on both sides of the court. And Smart has taken on more playmaking responsibility tonight. He finished with seven assists. So if he just fits into the role of like playmaker and taking the top scoring option on the other team, as far as like in secondary playmaker, obviously next to Trey, I think it could be really well or could work really well, but um, I'm not really sure. I know uh, I think Brad kind of wants to hold on to some cap space to options, but I think it's a good trade for both sides. Uh, I kind of feel like Atlanta might be selling short a little bit on, on Collins' that's, talent. That's my only thought here, too. I think they could possibly get more. However, if they are just looking maybe for like what we call like a quick fix, right? Marcus Smart is probably the quickest fix you could t- contribute right to a defense. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's interesting. It, that one, right, this is already like somewhat controversial because I do think John Collins could return more from a team, but it's interesting because you could see the fit on both sides. But let's, um, let's keep going, Ben. Our next one here, not super exciting, but we got the Raptors bringing back Jakob Podol to Toronto. Um, Raptors currently sitting at nine, or actually eight at the moment, based off my NBA.com standings. And then obviously San Antonio at the bottom in 13. So the Toronto that got away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Toronto would receive uh, Jakob back and San Antonio would receive Chris Boucher in a 2022 first round pick top 10 protected i i mean i think Jakob is like a productive center like pretty underrated but i this feels like a steep price to give up a, a first even if it's top 10 protected for a, a center like him because he's not like it's not some of the values that we're seeing like a miles turner trying mm-hmm. to get a first back or a i think Kirk miles would be, would be really interesting honestly with yeah. Toronto next to a Pascal and Scotty Barnes and, you know, Van Fleet and Trent Jr. I think that would be a lot more interesting than, than this. I, I think Yahoo is a really solid center and he would be like, I think welcomed on a lot of teams, but like, like you said, I, I don't know if I would pay a first for him. I, I mean, don't know yeah. how much of a difference he would, we, he would make in, in this team right now with Toronto. Mm-hmm. For your guys' reference to, like, currently for the year, he's averaging 12.8 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, and 2.7 assists, shooting around 60% from the field. So he's he's productive, but he's not, like, blowing anyone away, right? Like, he's he's almost averaging a double-double, though, so it's, it's not to slam Jakob by any means. It's just, like, I think this is a little steep to pay. And I think one Toronto, other thing is, is growth potential. Because like yeah. how much how much more I if he's a guy that can average a double double that's great but if you're gonna give up the draft capital as well it's like you kind of want to see if this guy can improve and with so many more guys kind of ahead in the pecking order in Toronto there probably wouldn't be a lot of improvement for Jakob they probably just ask him to keep doing what he's been doing in San Antonio this year yeah and my thing is too I don't think it moves the needle too much for Toronto in terms of their standings like yeah i think it it balances their lineup a little bit more you can have uh jacob and then pascal at the four five brings have scotty you know like still have your guards and van fleet and trent jr but but like how much better of a team does it make when they're currently sitting at eight in the conference i don't know and i like ben said i'd be more i'd want to hold on to i think that draft capital maybe see if you can swing for a bigger piece if you are including that such as miles turner um so I'm a no on this deal. That's just me, but we'll keep going. Um, so Wizards swapping prospects for Christian Wood. Wizards currently sitting at 10 in the Eastern Conference. And like Ben just said, had a horrible L blowing 35-point lead to the Clippers. Um, and then Houston sitting near the bottom in the West, if not the absolute bottom. Oh, no. Okay, she's so gone deep. So... <laughs> Um, Washington would receive Christian Wood in this deal. Houston would receive Rui Hachimura, Corey Kisper, and Thomas Bryant. Um, if you're Houston, I think this is a good deal. Like you're just you're taking some prospects back that have all shown, I think, some at least solid potential to be good NBA players. Maybe not a star, but 
Christian Wood doesn't really fit your timeline right now that you're on. So if you can get some value back for him and see what Rui looks like in expanded role, see what Kisper looks like in more playing time, and maybe Brian, if he can stay healthy, he's been a productive, like an intriguing center. Um, but Ben, what are your initial thoughts on this? Yeah, I think I know Jeremy Grant has, I think, honestly been talked about. I think BR might have done another featured article saying he's kind of like the star of the trade market right now. Mm-hmm. I like Christian Wood a lot. I I think this guy, like he's he's averaging 17 and a half points a game and 10 rebounds. He's he's shooting, let me check the numbers here really quick. He's shooting 48% from the field and almost 37% from deep. I think this guy is someone a lot of contending teams should look at, not so much rebuilding teams. Mm-hmm. I I would love potentially like I know my Celtics were just mentioned in that. Collins article, I, I would love Christian Wood kind of, I think instead, I think he would pose potentially, um, I think Portland would be another interesting spot. I know they traded for Larry Nance, but I think Christian Wood there would be a great fit too. If, you know, granted hoping Dame comes back healthy. Um, I think there's a lot of places where this guy could kind of contribute a lot. And I think it would be better off, you know, obviously I would love to see him. I think him with Luca in Dallas would be a really interesting fit if, if they were to try to move off of KP maybe, because I think Christian Wood could do a lot of stuff and maybe more of what they were expecting Porzingis to do. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if he's getting as much as love as he should. He, he got a lot of attention as far as like potential um, and my most improved player goes, but because he's in Houston and they're not having a good season, I think a lot of people are sleeping on his skill set. And he he translates and seems like he could provide a great fit to a, a ton of teams. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Christian Wood has been – he got a nice paycheck right by Houston to stay, but now being definitely like kind of overthought of or overlooked because their team's not very competitive, I'd love to see him on more of a contender or at least competitive team to see. It's really, truly shy. But um, as far as Washington goes, I – and you hold on to Kuzma, who's kind of been the shining star of your Lakers deal so far, at least with his rebounding numbers. If you could kind of have Kuzma, Beal, Dinwiddie there with um, Christian Wood, that would be kind of an interesting group. But mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think it, the fit between Kuzma and Wood would be interesting. But I think with both of them having some outside shots, Kuzma showing some more like ball handling skills, um, I think you could. I think they can maybe make it work. I'd be intrigued, and it definitely would make Washington more interesting. Let's keep moving, though. We got the Knicks adding scoring and playmaking with Karis LeVert. Knicks currently sitting at 11 in the conference, and Indiana sitting at 13. Knicks receive Karis LeVert. Indiana receives Evan Fournier and a 22 first-round pick, top 10 protected. I actually do kind of like this one. Indiana said that they kind of just want a first-round pick back for Karis. Um, and Evan, obviously – and provide like some stable guard minutes. Maybe he's not going to be a star by any means, right? Might not even be a starter, but kind of helps match salaries a little bit. And then um, bringing in a role player and that draft capital you're looking for. I think for the Knicks, I would do this trade, right? You're bringing in another guy that can help score, take pressure off Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, who's been playing really, really well as of late. And you just make yourself more dynamic. But Ben, what do you think about this? 
I think for the Knicks, it's a great deal. I, I think it'd be really interesting to see what Karras can do starting at the point guard position. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think he's shown, he's flashed a lot of playmaking potential. So if you could theoretically get a lineup of him, RJ, Cam, uh, Julius and, and Mitchell Robinson, that would be quite interesting, but I think the Pacers could probably get more, and I don't know if a top 10 protected first-round pick is enough to take on that Fournier contract. Um, yeah, he did just sign that new one in the offseason. Yeah, so I, I think Indiana could maybe get a little bit more. I know I, I threw out Karras to Cleveland where, you know, maybe they would have their plane. They might have potential to throw out maybe multiple first-round picks and kind of add to that, that team's dynamic um, or maybe – maybe a younger player on a cheaper contract, but I, I think it definitely, you know, if New York had this offer, I would definitely kind of jump on it, but I think Indiana might be able to do better with, with Karras. I think that's a good sum up. I think we could maybe get a little bit more too. Um, you don't want to just like throw away your good players just simply because you are rebuilding. But um, if I'm the Knicks, I do, I'm really intrigued by this. If, um, if they're not too worried about star hunting, maybe for cap space and stuff keep going though ben um one that you and i definitely already discussed but minnesota who's currently sitting at seven getting defensive with miles turner from the pacers again so minnesota receiving miles turner indiana receives malik beasley in a 2022 first round first round pick top 10 protected again um i'm gonna be honest like i don't really think i love this from indiana malik beasley has had issues being able to stay on the court like and not injury related issues issues in terms of just like legal trouble and stuff like that so how reliable is he? Yes, he he once showed like a lot of promise and he's still like pretty productive, but that would make me somewhat nervous to take him back on. Um, and but again, top 10 protected when in reality, Indiana, I think for Miles Turner has been requesting maybe two first round picks for him. I think it's like, it's tough. So I think they could, like Ben was kind of saying with this last one, could potentially get more. And then for Minnesota, I don't really see the fit here with Turner. Like Towns and Turner, that's a huge big man lineup. And Turner is a great rim protector, but not the best guard defender. So I just think this would be a controversial fit for, for Minnesota. I think if I were them, I'd probably look to add a, a different piece. But what do you think, Ben? Honestly, I, I don't think I have a lot to add to this. I I'm not a fan. I know Miles has been shopped a lot. I think Minnesota is a, a really bad fit unless they were eventually trying, if Towns has expressed something where you're trying to fill that center hole, if if he has expressed interest to be elsewhere, then it makes sense. But until then, I, I think you should be looking to add some other defensive impact outside of the big men. Yeah. I still like the potential for Simmons to penetrate, like go and play with with Towns. And I think Simmons, I think smart next to D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards is kind of interesting if that was an option, but I, I don't think Miles Turner is the answer for Minnesota. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. You're trash, Bleach Report. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not a fan of this one, though. I think that was consensus from Ben and I. Um, Lakers at the eighth spot, adding a piece that finally fits this one giving up um a t- let's see taylor horn tucker and kendrick nunn to houston in order to receive eric gordon and two second round picks a lot of people have been vocal about the lakers age here so i'm not like 
I think in terms of Eric Gordon, that's another thing that you have to kind of consider. And he has had history of injuries, but he's also been very productive in a role in Houston, especially on competitive teams. And he's a shooter. So I think like in terms of Evan, Eric Gordon, the player, it fits. It makes sense. I just, I also kind of like Taylor Horton, Tucker, and Kendrick Nunn, though, too, because Nunn hasn't really played a whole lot, been off the court. Taylor Horton, Tucker hasn't been great, but I'm just wondering how much of a win that is when you have a shooting guard like Malik Monk, who's playing very effectively. Um, but what do you, yeah, what do you think about this deal, Ben? Just go all in with the, with the age, what was LeBron's tweet at the beginning of the season? Kind of joking about the <laughs> joking about the age of the team, you know, keep that same mentality. No, I I think the Lakers do need to change something. Um, obviously their big three has not played a ton of time together. I want to say there might have been a report that was like less than 200 total minutes. Mm-hmm. Um recently, obviously Anthony Davis has missed like 21 games. He just came back tonight, obviously, in a game against Brooklyn. And um pretty sure they won that and finished that out as Dan and I are was fil- are filming this for you guys. But I I think it makes sense. They they do need shooting. Malik Monk has been a bright spot, but um I think you kind of just take what you can get as far as the small increment increases to roster and potentially rotation and then figure it out from there. That's a good point. Eric Gordon would definitely like fit with the rest of those players because he just needs to be able to space the floor. Um, so that's an interesting one. Let's see how many more we got. We got this one, one, two, three more. Three more to break down for you guys. We'll kind of get through some of these a little bit quicker because there's one I want to want to focus on a little bit more. So Los Angeles Clippers at the ninth spot pick up some firepower with Terrence Ross. Clippers receive Terrence Ross and Michael Carter Williams. Orlando receives Eric Bledsoe and two second round picks um, in 2022 and 2023, respectively. Obviously, the for Magic I think is just getting any assets in return for these kind of veteran pieces. Um, I think, like, I don't think Ross is going to warrant a first-round pick. I think that'd be kind of steep for him. So if you can get some extra assets, I think that's great. Um, For the Clippers, I think it's ultimately, like, what we've talked about in the pod already. Like, if they're healthy, like, this deal kind of makes sense for them to add of that uh, scoring presence like Ross. Um, But, Ben, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, kind of the news on on Paul George because – I mean, Terrence Ross this year is averaging double digits. So I think he could definitely provide some scoring lift there for mm-hmm. that team. And he's definitely known to be a, a guy that can potentially be like a microwave scorer and get hot here. And um, so, yeah, I think um, obviously Bledsoe has had multiple runs there now in, in LA. They know what they know what he is. And so to potentially add maybe more shooting to that lineup and um if Kawhi is going to sit out the whole year, Ross kind of makes sense to fill that void if Paul George can come back um, next to him as far as just, like, providing potential scoring. But, yeah, I, I think it's a fair trade for both sides. Um, I don't know if either any of these, like, key pieces from both teams are going to demand a lot on the market. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and Ross will be under contract for this season and then also next season, but then he enters restricted free agency, unrestricted free agency. So um, from the Clippers perspective, you could also think about that like that. We're just adding talent. Um, even if, even if we can't really make a run this year, Terrence Ross could still help next year. So 
for them, I think like it's a good target. You need you need wing depth and you need shooting. So Terrence Ross provides both that. Now, I actually this is one I really want to talk about, but I'm going to skip it and jump to the last one here, and we'll come back to this for you guys. Um, so this this last one before our I guess the last one in the article before we jump back up. Um, to talk about that one deal is the Pelicans at the 11th spot improves defense and playmaking with Derek White. So New Orleans receives Derek, Derek White, San Antonio receives Jackson Hayes, Thomas Sodoransky, and a 2024 first round pick via the Lakers. And the Spurs also would have the option to delay that pick until 2025 if they so choose. So I think from the Pelicans, like if you think you really can like sneak into the, the play-in spot and you want to make it right and down maybe comes back like sure it might make sense to go for something like this but um i just and also i guess it's dependent on how you feel about jackson hayes too so what do you i guess what do you think about this deal then uh i mean i think Derek white is a really solid player obviously pelican's got a lot of talk as far as letting Lonzo go and bringing in Devontae Graham and maybe this is kind of to offset that loss as far as maybe bringing in Devontae Graham to be that offense and then Derek White can kind of provide that defense and extra playmaking but if I'm New Orleans I'm probably calling about that other guard in, in San Antonio I'm probably calling about Dejounte Murray instead and and potentially doing that but um I think New Orleans. I would. I would probably. I would probably jump on this deal. I don't think you're losing a lot with that. With that Lakers first. I do think they eventually kind of climb the standings a little bit as far as if they just stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then Jackson Haynes. He looks like just like a, a fine rim running man. I think maybe best case scenario would potentially be what Robert Williams has been for the Celtics this year, which is like obviously a solid center option, but Valanciunas has played great for them. So yeah. if you can, if you believe in that, then why not try to upgrade elsewhere as well? No, that's a great point. And I think they just need some, some better guard help too. So uh, I think Derek White provides that. And we've touched on how he's pretty like overlooked as well, I think on this podcast. So I think it's a great, great option for him the only thing is like 2020 2024 first from the lakers could be interesting because you never know i mean we could talk about lebron he he looks like he's going to defy father time but that's two years down the road so true, true um some intrigue at least there um no guarantees obviously but if you're the pelicans and you want to make a swing or maybe make some deals to make your team more competitive around ingram and zion this is this is a good round out move to potentially boost that roster. Um, let's talk about our final one for you guys, though, before we wrap up. And this is Portland at the 10 spot gets Ben Simmons while keeping Lillard and McCollum. So Portland Trailblazers received Ben Simmons. Philly receives Anthony Simons, uh, Norm Powell, and Robert Covington. I'm going to be honest, this deal makes no sense for the Sixers side, especially with what Maury has come out and said, what do you want for them? a for Simmons type deal to happen. I'm Portland. I am hammering this deal. I am yeah. <laughs> I am accepting that in a heartbeat. Yes. Like I I the only reason I want to touch on this I I love it for the Blazers. If you can somehow keep Dame and CJ and Brennan Simmons to potentially act as the Draymond Green to this backcourt, just defense and playmaking and there's way less pressure on him with having two bona fide scores in CJ and Dame. That's a great environment for him to thrive and just play make and play defense and do his game. And then the Sixers, I this this is just 
You oh, must have horrible. been really sold on Simons in these last horrible. few weeks. Yeah. Uh, to make this deal. <laughs> There's no way, based off what we've heard from the Sixers, that this would remotely be close to an accept for them. And that's not to bash the guys on this on this receiving end for the Sixers because Simons has been playing like good ball for two weeks, has some good potential, but that's it's only been like about a couple of weeks, right? Norman Powell is a very, very solid two guard and starting two guard at that. And Covington is a solid three and D player. So role player wise, like you're adding two guys in Powell and Covington that can definitely contribute right away to an Embiid roster. And then Simons potentially could be something for you down the road. And maybe if you like we've seen in an expanded role, um, however, like a very unhealthy Blazers team, like he is flourishing. But would he do the same thing next to a Embiid or other guys that also need to score and, and use the ball? I just this deal makes no sense for the Sixers at all, though, if they want a star level talent or even like a top 40 to 50 player in return for Simmons. I love it for the Blazers. So like Ben said, if you're the Blazers and this is on the table, like easily, easily accept it because that would think, make them very intriguing. I think this just shows what kind of the NBA community is, is viewing Simmons value right now is it's the longer they hold on to him, the more it drops. And, mm-hmm. and to update you guys, like there have been reports of like James Harden's unhappiness as far as living in Brooklyn and like maybe his openness to at least hit the open market here even if that could bring him back to Brooklyn. So with that coming out as well, it's it's very likely a Simmons deal does not happen this yeah. year. Agreed. Um, it's very likely he stays put. Um, as I've mentioned before, <laughs> with, with Daryl Morey in charge in Philly, he is probably trying to make amends for not pulling the trigger there initially to get Harden, especially with how things have turned out. So. Um, but yeah, this is the one that I think makes the least amount of sense based off all the news that we've gotten on Simmons and Maury's stance as far as what he wants in return. Yeah, but our Blazers fans in the community are probably just yes, saying, loving yes, this, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> loving it. Um, but yeah, okay, so that was actually like our last last deal and last segment for you guys. So that does conclude our episode. Um, please follow and like us on all social media. We're available on Twitter and Instagram and then like, follow and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're available on all podcast platforms um, and send in your guys' comments for what you want us to talk about or break down. This was a fun episode and we'll catch you guys next week.